0: Have your Bible, go with me to Romans eight. Verse eighteen. Romans eight, verse eighteen. Verse eighteen says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time, everybody say right now. Right now right now. Not worthy. To be compared to the glory awaits. The suffering of this present time is not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in each of us. Uh, I'm going to talk about. You see, know, I preached in Lorraine, and I was I was too fast. I don't know if you know it, but there's a tempo to preaching, and a lot of times you can like you can want to communicate something, and you just you you know you go a little too fast. I'm going to try to slow down here, and so I'm gonna I'm going to talk about suffering. But I want you to know as I discuss the topic of suffering. I do it reverently, with consideration to pain, to to experiences of loss, to hardship, to difficulty. But as I talk about suffering, I'm going to do it in such a way that I want you to understand that It doesn't compare. And I want you to know immediately that what you are defining as suffering, the Bible says that what suffering is trying to reveal through your situation, you can't compare it to what God's going to show you it doesn't even deserve to be what god's saying it doesn't even deserve the attention it's getting suffer the word suffering there it's a greek word pathema it's so it has feeling it strong passionate feeling but it, it's interesting what it means. It means to be associated with redemptive work. That's an interesting way to define suffering, is it not? So what God is saying about what you're going through is that, what's up, CJ? CJ? So what God is saying about your suffering is that he defines it like this. It's redemptive preparation that allows us to know the experience of the person of God. It's redemptive. So your suffering, the way God defines your experience of pain, it's not, I'm not belittling it. I want you to understand, God doesn't belittle it, but he wants you to know. He makes the devil pay for it. It's redemptive. He redeems it. And that your suffering only exists, and there's the part that I want you to, that suffering exists to reveal doksa. Glory. The word glory here is, you know, it's, it's Hebrew relative in the Old Testament, the kabod, the weightiness, or the unspoken manifestation of the Father is what it's defined as. So what you can translate this now. So doxa is the Majestic splendor of the unspoken manifestation of God. So, what Paul's saying here? Let's unpack it all fully, so you so you grab hold of it. That God's going to take the suffering, and He's going to force the suffering to reveal an experience that is in, in that word "doxa." It comes along with it. It doesn't just mean you get to see it. You get to feel it, touch it, you get to hold it, you get to live it, you get to express it, you get to be in the glory. Paul says there's a glory in you. There's a doxa in you. You came came from the creator, from the designer of life. You pre-custom, you were built with the doxa of God in you. And what forces the, the, the person of Jesus to be felt? Like, once you feel the presence of Jesus, you're ruined. You are, you're ruined. Like, you, no, you can't sniff nothing, smoke nothing, drink nothing, lay with nothing. There's nothing that you will ever experience that will compare to the dokes of, of God. Once you, once you experience, the glory of Jesus. You're wrecked. You're, 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 gone. you're done. You're finished. Like it's over. This is why the angels would swing around the, the, the throne of God. And each time around, they would say, holy. They'd come back around. They'd see him again. They'd say, holy. The angels of God don't grow weary of the glory of God. There's something to learn there, that there must become in the believer this unsatisfied quenching of God's glory, yeah. that we mustn't grow accustomed to the last week's doxa. And like he says, "Because you have the proclivity to become accustomed to doxa, ow. I'll use what the enemy thinks is going to destroy you as the source of that which reveals the next level of doxa. And I'll cause that glory to become the quest of your life. But you're so fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you to hear this. God so fearfully and wonderfully made you that he made you in such a way that when suffering is presented to you, you are pre-built with this ability to take pain and redeem it to reveal the person of Jesus. That's what he said. And, and, And when it's put in that perspective, so perspective matter, so when you put suffering in that perspective, Paul says You don't allow it to rob me of my doxa You won't allow your experience You won't you won't put your eyes on the pain You'll keep your eyes on the doxa on the glory of God So you you are so proficiently engineered and designed as as a believer in Christ That when pain, affliction, suffering, hardship, conflict, confrontation, anything that presents itself in an attempt to push you down, in an attempt to back you up, God says the thing that was meant by the enemy to push you down and back you up is the very thing that I will cause to lift you up and propel you forward. Now, I fly occasionally. I sit in the back of the plane because it costs a lot to sit in the front. Every time I get on a jet, I have this sensation and Maybe you've had it too. Uh, When I get on the plane, I'm very conscious. Uh, Even before I get on the plane, I look out the window out onto the runway. I, I I pay attention to runways. They matter. I specifically pay attention to both ends of the runway. I want to know what's on the end when the runway runs out. What's out there? Is there some trees out there? Is, it, is there some buildings out there? What's out there? I'm pre. I look. I, long, I like to see water. Because water to me just feels like, well, if things go wrong in the runway, at least we're gonna end up in a place where we might could survive. But if they're, like like I just want you to know, at Cleveland Hopkins Airport, it's not good. (laughs) Every time I get on the plane at Cleveland Hopkins Airport, I am reminded that on the west end of the runway, there is the Cleveland Metro Park with a deep ravine running through it and lots and lots and lots of mature oak trees. On the other end of the runway, because depending on the weather, you're either coming from the west or the east when you land. Now, on the other end of the runway, that we have highways, railroad tracks, and the Ford Motor Company. <laughs> Last place I want to end up in either of those scenarios is in the Ford Motor Company or the deep ravine of the Metro Parks. So when when I get on the plane, I'm very mindful of what's on either end of the runway, because I got this revelation, and I feel like it's significant to 2023. That many of us are running out of runway. I get in the plane, you sit down. Immediately, you begin to, well, not immediately, sometimes they make you sit there for a while. Which is, you know, there's a lesson there, too. You know, like, God will make you sit there for a while. And then, the plane begins to taxi. And before long, you find your way to the end of the runway. And suddenly, the jets turn on. And and everything, and whether you know it or not, whether you're paying attention or not, your sensory realm is checking boxes. Like, you... Your your man is checking boxes. Okay, sounds right? Yep, sounds right. Feels right as we're going, on. but if you get, it, you know, you know, what I'm saying? you know, your sensory realm is paying attention. If you get a little bumpity, bumpity, bump, as you you're like something wrong. We ran something over. Like, like, turn around, turn around, go back, turn around, go back. We're not, you're not ready for flight. You don't know it, but you're paying attention. Like, if I know I'm not the only one that does this. All right, so we get in the plane, we sit down, and all of a sudden. And the noise becomes deafening because it's always louder in the back in the cheap seats. And then and then suddenly the thrust happens. Thrust happens. And you start moving. Now you start moving and you get to and the speed builds up and the speed builds up. And the speed builds up and it builds, builds, builds up. And right about here, right about here, the little box in your mind that says, We should be in the air. We, if you don't feel the sensation of gravity messing with you, you immediately start, wah, 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 alarms start going off. You start praying in tongues like me, da, oh, da, bah, shanday, air, air, air. You know, you start praying for it. lift, you start lift, you start lifting, and you ask yourself a question about three quarters of the way down why are we not in the air yet? And I felt this so strongly in prayer. Not long, about a couple of weeks ago, that many of us are asking ourselves that question. Why hasn't it happened yet? Why am I not in the air yet? I'm running out of runway. And like it or not, church, here's where I want you to grab this, and this is very sobering. When you get to here, there's no turning back. There's no pulling the thrust back. There's no mashing the brakes. There's no there is no stopping. And I want you to know this church. Once faith in Christ has been engaged in the believer's life, there is no alternative, there is no plan B, there is no option two, there is no other way but faith. I want you to understand, you are either on the runway of faith and you're fixing to fly, or you are on the runway of man and you're fixing to die. Like You got to understand that that once you have hit the point of no return, that you just, you can't bail. You can't, you can't stop, you know, at this point. That's why that sensation is so bothersome. And if you're like me, you get to that point And you're like, I should feel lift now. I should feel like we're rising higher. Now, how come the plane is not lifting? And then there are others who are saying, how come I plateaued? I feel like I kinda just hit a place in my life and I'm just I just kinda I can't get any higher. I'm not falling yet, but I'm not rising anymore either. And I'm gonna explain in my limited proficiency the way a plane is engineered. If you're an engineer, forgive me. I'm going to jack this up. But how I understand it is that if you can create enough thrust and you can get enough resistance, the resistance is used as lift in the, in, in the, in the design of the plane. If you get enough thrust and you can get enough resistance, the resistance is manipulated Through the force of thrust as a lifting power. And as a believer, Paul said, you got the thrust. Now you need some suffering. And as that suffering and resistance comes to your life, it creates lift in the believer's life and what we deem as destruction God sees as lift and I don't say that without sensitivity to the suffering I just say that to, to let the enemy know that you think that what you're putting against me is going to ground me it's not going to ground me because greater is he who is in me than he who has come against me so God's going to use the thing that you are that you're he's going to manipulate he made me he designed me he engineered me to t- Take every bit of the hate, every bit of the rejection, every bit of the pain, every bit of the accusation. He designed me in such a way that when it comes against me, the one inside of me is so powerful that he will push me forward, and that push forward will manipulate the thing you meant to destroy me with, and it will lift me. You better be careful messing with me. That's what you need to tell to them. You better be careful. Messing with me, cause the thing you thought you sent to, to to kill me is actually the thing that's going to make me thrive in life. So it's an indi- so suffering then, like just think about it. Suffering then is the indication. It is an indicator of something. It indicates like your engineering. It it indicates what's inside of you, you know? When suffering comes, it has this, 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 this way of like sifting us and getting rid of all of the things. It has a way of like revealing. Suffering indicates altitude, won't it? When you get pushed on, It'll let you know exactly at what altitude you're really flying at, not what you're telling people you're flying at, not at, what, not at your Instagram page or your Facebook page. It's not, you can't fake the funk with, 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 with suffering. Suffering tells the truth. And it tells you the truth. And it says, listen, you're flying at about 5,000 feet, but there are buildings out there too, too big. You got to get up. There's stuff in your future that's going to be in your way, man. you got to get up. Suffering is an indicator then. There's there's three things. Three things. I'm going to give you the answers to the end of the test so you can write them down, so you can just pay attention during the test. Amen? Keep joy as your promise. Make moves of faith. Lighten your load. And broaden your horizon. There. There, there are about three or four things that will keep you on the runway. The first one is movement. You're not moving fast enough, right? So if you're looking, if you're looking to rise in 23, speed, you're not. You see, you, the perspective you've got to understand is you think too little of yourself. When I say too little, I mean you think you're a prop plane, but you're really a triple seven and you're sitting on a runway designed for a prop plane because of the way you think. And God's like, you, in order for you to get up, in order for you to rise, you've got to increase your movement. Movement. I want to say speed, but I won't, because speed is associated with the natural. But only God can take and manipulate. See, what what God revealed in Romans 18 is that he will manipulate the natural for the eternal. He's saying, I will manipulate the things that happen to you in life, and I will make them bear an eternal Significance. So movement in Acts, go to that scripture so, the, so we can read it. Acts says, in Acts 17 verse 28 says, For in him, in who? Jesus, we live. You don't have to worry about running out of runway as long as you're in Jesus. Jesus. Because life is promised in Jesus. But it it only comes through movement. Because in Jesus, we live, but we move. All movement in your life does not create lift. only movement in Jesus. And have our being, your being. Who you be. Is determine who you are in Jesus. Not like not empty movement, not fast movement. So I want to tell you to move faster, but my, my better advice is to keep what move by faith. In 2023, make your moves. Everybody wants to make moves. Make your moves in 2023, move in Him. Live in Him. Make sure who you be is in him. Your being is in him. You were created for lift. You were created for flight. You were created for more. You were created created to take suffering and manipulate suffering so it will reveal glory. You were created for glory. So make sure in 2023 you make the moves of faith. Your spirit is proficient and efficient. Your spirit knows when to move. It knows how to move. Your flesh does not. Your flesh will confuse speed with proficiency. Like you think you're doing something because you're busy. But busy doesn't mean, it, busy won't create lift. Busy, busy only moves in Jesus because only Jesus knows how to reveal himself in your life. But here's what happens to the believers. Believers, we experience suffering, affliction, pain. Once again, I'm I'm sensitive to it. But when we experience that, what the enemy attempts to get us to do is to take our attention and focus it on what is supposed to be peripheral. There's so many believers today that are focused on the pain so much that they're not focused on the power that's in them. And, and the thrust in you is greater than the pain you're going through. So keep your focus and your movements in 2023 in Jesus. Just take stock of it in 2023. Ask yourself, is this move? Is this move? Is this a God move? Is this a move of faith or is this a move of self-preservation? Is this a move of pride? Is this a move of, of like gratification of myself? Does this move that I'm moving in does this move like please Jesus? Or is this move just because I'm being selfish and want what I want? So be aware of your moves in 2023. The second thing, so movement has a lot to do with lift. So if you're not if you're not if you're not lifting, chances are you're not moving. Hmm. If you're going to make mistakes though, make them moving. Don't 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 give yourself the pretense of standing still and and then covering it up with the mask of wisdom, I hear this a lot in the church, man. I'm being wise, so I'm taking my time. No, you're being afraid. You're being afraid, so you're not taking a risk. So movement looks like a risk, because it takes a lot of risk. <laughs> it takes a lot of risk to push in the suffering, to push through suffering. And and to thrust through it and to trust God through it, to still believe through it. And even though I didn't see it last week, I'm looking for it again next week. It takes a lot of courage to keep going down the runway of faith. It takes a lot of courage to do that. And it's easy to check out and say, I'm just going to sit in a pew and I'm not going to engage my faith. I'm just going to exist in this thing. I'm going to straddle the fence of faith. And I want you to know the enemy owns the fence. that belongs to the devil, the fence. The middle ground is all his. It is the most dangerous ground, the middle ground, that place where you drift in your faith and you're self-deceived. So lack of movement, speed, but speed comes through the spirit. There's a saying that a lot of guys I know use is smooth is fast, fast is smooth. They, they They talk about it a lot. In, the, in one of the communities I hang out in. And they say, if you're going to move, move smooth. Don't just move. Don't just make a bunch of movement. If you're going to move, move smooth. Because smooth is fast. Don't just, if, if, if you question something in your life, if you're questioning something, if there's a door before you and you say, I don't know if I should go through it. You know how I would counsel you to go through it? Smooth is fast. Fast is smooth. That means take your time just enough that you're not standing still in time. Just keep on moving. Somebody back in the day sang that song. Keep on moving, don't stop, no. Keep on moving. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like, keep on moving, don't stop, Keep on moving. You just got to keep on moving. The moment you stop, I've never seen a plane fly in reverse. I've never seen a plane fly sitting still. I don't know. I'm half challenged to believe it could, though, if the resistance got enough. I'm not an engineer, though. So keep on moving. No stopping. Number two. Uh, You got to lighten your load. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every what does it say? Weight. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. A lot of us can't gain lift in life because the bags we are allowing ourselves to put on board. If you fly, I remember one time I flew uh, into Haiti just after the earthquake, and uh, we had a lot of supplies to take, so we flew on a prop plane, which was a frightening experience, and... And I'll tell you why it was frightening, because we had these big bags, and as we loaded the plane, they actually took the bags, and they put them strategically in certain seats of the plane, and then what they made us do after they weighed the bags, they said, get up there. I said, you want me to get up there? He said, yeah, you need to get up there. We need to weigh you, and then we, I stood up there, and it was all out in front of God and everybody how much you weighed, and... It was no secrets. It, that little red light shined up and everybody behind you knew exactly what you weighed. There was no telling a lie. It was like, I only weigh... 225. I, I do not weigh that. You know what I mean? There was none of that. It was just like this moment of transparency for everybody to see. It's like they all went behind the, the door when the doctor weighs you and the, and the little thing. They're like, "No, slide it again." They slide it over again. Like, "No, not another way." And they slide it over. Like, oh no! You know, and I'm not heavy, right? And then, so they they put you, and then they strategically place you in a particular seat, which tells me that the design of the plane has a limited capacity. And you and I have a limited capacity for the bags and the weight we can carry. We were not engineered to carry a weight beyond our limit. There is a limit. I want you to know, moms, I know, you, I know you can carry a lot. I know you're holding it together as much as you can. But I want you to know there is a limited capacity to what you can carry. You can't carry all that weight by yourself. And you know what else they do before you get on a plane? You know what they do? They check your bags, because they know there are certain things you can't bring on this plane. And if you bring it on this plane, we will kick you off of it. There's contraband that is not allowed in flight. And you need to know sin has weight. And if you are carrying too much of that stuff, it will prevent you from lift. It will keep you from rise. Not only that, you need to know this. There are certain things and certain people that are not allowed to be on your flight. (laughs) Many of us, how many, I've seen people do this. They take their bag, Jeremiah. They take their bag... He take that bag. I watched Jeremiah fly with like 3,000 pounds of cargo. He take, he'll ta- he hides it. Well, he got this big duffel bag, big as a human being on his back. And he throws his coat over his shoulder. I'm like, how would they not see that? He got that wrapped up. Then he takes his, his luggage, he puts his luggage there. Then he, then he leans forward with his foot and kicks his foot up, holds one end of the bag up to take some of the weight off the machine. No, he didn't really do that. I'm going to need y'all to quit doing that when we get on these planes. Because these planes are designed in such a way that they can only carry so much weight. And you're affecting flight. You're creating drag I don't want to mess around with. So quit putting your foot up under the luggage and making your bag seem like they're lighter than they are. I'm going to need you to quit coming in on Sunday and pretending like you're lighter than you really are. I'm going to need you to let those bags fall off at the door. I'm going to need you to do what Jesus says. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to need you to let those bags down because you're too heavy and you got too far to go to be carrying all of this weight. you got farther to go, and you can't afford to carry that weight. you got to drop it off at the only place that, that is sufficient for you to drop it off. You're, they take those bags, and they, they put them down, and they, they get checked. And that's what we got to do as believers. we got to drop our bags at the altar and say, God, I put them on the conveyor of your, of your redemptive work. I put them on the conveyor of your redeeming work, God. I said, take these bags. I don't want to carry them no more. I was baptized in Christ, and when I was baptized in Christ, everything dead went away from me and everything new came to me. I am not the same Troy as I was last year. Now I'm just praying God that I'm lighter this year, that I'm able to create lift in my life this year, that I'm able to rise higher in my life this year. You got to get rid of those bags. Drop them off and don't worry about them no more. Forgive them and don't worry about it no more. That's not your job to worry about it. If they don't want to, if they don't want to forgive you back, listen. You can stay there if you want, but I'm gone. If it's your family, it's your kids, it's your mom, it's your dad. Listen, I I ask for your forgiveness. You want to forgive me? Don't forgive me. But guess what? I'm flying. You want to fly? If you don't want to fly, now bye. But I'm flying. I ain't got time to keep going back and checking on this stuff. I've asked for forgiveness. The Lord has forgiven me. I'm not going to keep living in this place anymore. If you want to go, we can go. If you don't want to go, i let those bags go on the conveyor of Jesus. Bye-bye. You got to let it go. You got to let go how they defined you yesterday. You got to let go of all of the all of the experiences that you've had up to now. Divorce has got to be let go. Failure got to be let go. Rejection got to be let go. You got to put those bags down and let them go. Cuz they 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 are preventing you from lift. You got to let them go. You got to check those bags. Let Jesus carry those bags and you got to move on. In 2023 and then lastly, you've got to broaden your horizons. Isaiah 51. I think it's verse 11 says this. I think it's, I got it. Isaiah 51. The ransom, no, no, that ain't it. Sorry, that was a supporting. Isaiah 54, verse 2. I got it, it says this. It says you've got to enlarge the place of your tent, and you've got to stretch out the curtains of your dwelling, and you can't spare you got to broaden your horizons. And this is interesting about you and I is that we can outgrow last year's runway. And if you don't outgrow last year's runway, you're not transformed. Come on. If, If last year's runway is cool for you, then you probably didn't get an engine upgrade. I had I bought my Harley in 2017. Had a 107 engine in it. Now the interesting thing about this, just if you don't, this this it, it applies. Watch. And uh, and you get on the motorcycle and at first you twist the throttle and like ooh that's fast, right? That's fast. Like ooh. I would get on there and I would go and and you know I like I like I like my Harley's fast. I like them to go fast. And so I hit that throttle, and it would go. But after a while, I got used to the thrust. I got used to the engine. And after a while, as believers, you see, the way we're created is we're created for more. This is why why Moses said, I want more this is why he says, show me more. And God said, I can't show you no more. You'll die. This is why, and he said, well, just show me more, God. If you don't show me more, I don't want to go. And he said, all right, fine. I'll show you some more. So he hides him in the cleft of the rock and he passes by and he says, I'm going to give you some more. You know, we are created with this unquenchable thirst of glory. We're supposed to desire it. Like you and I were made for glory. and, And if we if we pull back from the suffering if we if we allow the suffering to keep us standing still then what we do is we settle for last week's glory we settle for an engine that can't take us to the to the destiny that our suffering is indicated we belong in because that's what that's what suffering does it indicates your destination think about it paul said your suffering is an indication of your destination where you're going? If you got some big stuff coming against you, you're going somewhere special. And so, what I went, I took my I, my engine to the dealership, and I said, I need a bigger engine. And he said, this is the cost of the biggest engine we have. I said, cool. No, nah, that's too much. Get, what else do you got? <laughs> I was like, like no, nah, nah, I could buy a whole nother motorcycle for that cost. You know what I mean? Just give me something else. He said, all right, what you want is a 119. So you're going to go from 107 to a 119, right? I was like, yeah, I bet. Let's do that. He gave me a 119. I got on that 119, and I, I, and I was like, ooh, it's fast. It was so much faster. The front end started coming off the ground. I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm talking about, you know. And and then then what happened was because the engine was upgraded, it had to be tuned. The programming had to be be adjusted. And for many of us, when God's going to take you to another level in 23, you're going to have to reprogram your mind for the size engine he's given you for 23. So old things are gonna to have to pass away and some new things are gonna to have to become a revelation to you. You know, God has revelation in seasons. And you gotta, you gotta thirst after the new revelation of God that He has for you, for your family, for your marriage, for kids. What's the new? Where God, God, there's more glory. Show me your glory. You gotta quit. You gotta because, because as believers, we have this proclivity that we will become complacent with last week or last month or last year. A lot of believers will say, "Man, I like them old time songs. Let's go back and sing them old time songs." You know what? God has a new song He wants us to sing. We, we want to sing old songs, which is like, go back and reminisce, and let's live in the glory of, uh, of the old times. No, God said, listen, I got a revelation of glory in a new song that I'm trying to get you to sing. I've got something better for you, but you're so, you're so comfortable with the thrust that you've, been, you've grown accustomed to this thrust. You get on life, and you're, it has a certain thrust. It becomes very predictable for you, and if you're living in predictable moments, I got news for you. You need an upgrade. You need an engine upgrade. You need a transformed life. That experience comes with enlarging your territory. Here's how you enlarge your territory. Imagination, association, and determination. You wanna enlarge your, you you wanna lengthen your runway? You wanna outgrow your, your runway? Here's how you do it. Imagination, association, and determination. Imagination. Faith is now. Now faith is. Faith is when? It's now. That means faith tomorrow is going Faith yesterday is in the past tense of faith tomorrow. Now faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Albert Einstein translated it, and this is the way he translated it. He said, imagination is the preview to life's coming attractions. That means faith Serves as an indication to your future. It's there. It's there. The the desire that you have to walk is there as an indication. Listen, it's it's it's, it's an indication of, because God wouldn't show you something, He's not going to give you. And if God showed it to you, He's going to give it to you. And you got to, so then what do you have to do then is you have to increase your faith. Faith comes by the what? You increase your faith by the word. You increase your imagination by the word. You begin all things are possible by what God says, not by what you've experienced or by what you're experiencing. Faith comes by imagination. Imagine it. If you can imagine it, you never, you've never gone to a movie. They still do that, right? You still go to movies? right? You never go to a movie and they show you a preview they don't intend to release. God will never show you a preview to your life he never intends for you to walk in. If God showed it to you, he intends for you to walk in it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is powerful. Hope is so powerful that God will reveal things in the spirit. He said, I'm trying to get you into this thing, but you can't get into this thing. You've got to tune your mind through these things because your mind, your natural mind will be okay sitting on the runway and letting suffering overtake you. Your natural self will will become a victim to life. Your natural self will hide at home, become depressed, become discouraged, become overwhelmed. Your natural self will eat ice cream and turn off the lights and go back to sleep. But your spirit never loses. Your spirit is undefeated. Your spirit will rise up above and beyond everything your, your, your feelings tell you. By association. Tell me who you're hanging around with. I've never seen a bunch of uh, jet flyers hang around, a bunch of non-jet flyers. I don't even know no jet flyers yet, you know what I mean, like, you know, I understand now why uh, uh, what's-his-name wanted a jet. You know, I want a jet uh, What Creflo. Creflo said, I need a jet. Me too, Creflo, let's get a jet. <laughs> I think you already had one, but I'm just saying like, hey, just let me borrow your jet so I could become a jet flyer too. Because jet flyers hang out with one another. They know one another. They jump in one another's jets. You know, LeBron James and his friends hang out in places you and I don't. So I'm saying, like, who are you associating with has great determination. It determines heavily whether or not you're flying. Great men of faith hang around great men of faith. They ain't no chickens hanging around eagles. There ain't no pigeons ain't no pigeons hanging around with, with, with birds that fly higher. They just don't hang out together. And I'm telling you, the same is true for you. There's some people you got to stop hanging out with. There's some people you got to stop associating with. You have to associate yourself with people who fly at a certain altitude, who will get you through some of that stuff, you know what I mean, who have the experience to say, I, I, I spent about a week with Dr. and last week. I'm like, oh, man, I'm flying high from that thing. So, Because I, I refuse to hang out with people that, that, that don't ha, don't, can't achieve altitude. I'm, I'm hanging out with people that can to achieve altitude. Who are you hanging out with? Who's your association? That's how you extend your runway. You can extend your runway, but you've got to stop hanging out. You've got to ha, stop hanging out with prop, prop planes. You're not a prop plane. You're a 777. You, you know what I mean? You, got, you are not. You're not. That is not you, man. You're just like, no, no, sir. (laughs) Them planes scare me more than the jets scare me. You know what I mean? I mean, there's something about thrust. At least the laws of physics accompany accompany thrust. All you got on them prop planes. (laughs) If them engines run out of gas or something, like a mosquito hits it, like it's over. Like. Too much can go wrong up there with those. You know, you run low on oil or, you know what I mean? The, the, the power windows don't work or your blinker fluid's down. I don't know, but you're not that. You're engineered. Your proficiency, your engineering, your design is masterful. It's masterful, man. Like It's indescribable. And so you can't hang around, you can't hang around with people that bring your design, that lower your design, that lower your expe- expectation, that lower your flight, that lower your belief, that lower your hope, that lower your joy. You got to get away from those folks, man. And determination, you know, you just got to, you, you've got to determine within yourself that you're going to fly. Determination's powerful. Determination, like to endure through it is something powerful. To, to like push through the impossible is determined. Like, you gotta get a resolve that says, it don't matter what happens to me, no matter how hard life gets, I'm not, I'm not throwing away my faith. My, my faith has great reward. My confidence has great reward. I'm not surrendering it to my situation, through my feeling, to my pain, to my suffering. I'm not letting go of the hope of Christ, regardless of what happened. I'm not lowering the standard of God's word. What he said will come to pass, and I'm not going to lower my expectation of it. I'm go- I am determined to see the promise of God come to pass in my life there's something defeating to the enemy that happens when a believer stands in the face of adversity and says yet shall I praise him there's something very there's something very powerful that happens to the enemy. He, the, the wind is taken out of his sails. When you are able to stand up and say, it doesn't matter what you say or they say or how they come against me, I'm not letting go. In five years, you might be dogging me, but in five years, you'll come back, and I'll still be going hard after Jesus. I'm still not going to quit on Jesus. I'm determined to see God move in my generation. You get that that attitude because attitude determines altitude. Your attitude will determine whether or not you fly. That determination will see you through. And then lastly, you got to keep your focus on joy. Do not allow what is supposed to lift you to be what lowers you by embracing a theology of suffering. And there's so many believers today that have embraced the theology of loss. Of suffering and they've 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 defined christianity by suffering and it is the it is anti-christ i want you to know it is anti-christ because this is what the bible says about jesus it says that for the joy that was set before him he endured the suffering it wasn't the suffering that he focused on it was the joy that he focused on isaiah tells us that joy comes in the morning That suffering may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That tells me that suffering has a time limit, but joy is eternal. Joy is the command of every believer to live in joy, to set your hope upon joy. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, his anger is for a moment, his favor is for life. Come on, you need to, like the next time the enemy comes, you need to pull out your favor for life card. This is my favor for life. I know, I know you think you're going to destroy me, but I got a favor for life card. I need you to know that God issued me. I, look at it. It said, Troy Thompson, I am favored for the rest of my life. Yes, so it doesn't matter what comes against me. I got a favor for the rest of my life. I'm blessed and I'm favored. And no matter what you say about me, I'm still blessed and I'm still favored. Weeping may endure for a night, but I know that joy is coming in the morning. I know that my suffering that happens in the dark is producing for, for me and my family and my children joy that's coming in the morning. And here's what the enemy wants to do. And I'm closing. There's three miscarriages we suffered. Three of them. That's three children that we set our hearts on. And three of them who suffered a miscarriage. And it's easy in life to take loss and to confuse it with cursing. Because that's what, that's, that's what he'll do. He, he'll, he'll create suffering and make the suffering make you question his design. And if you're not careful, you'll lay at the feet of the Father that which belongs to the devil. And after a while, you know, you have to gather yourself and say, nah, we're not going to live in this place. We're not going to live there. and as soon as we made that determination, I want you to know for, for the suffering, it's, it's not to be compared with the glory. And not long after that, there was a little boy that came into our life whose name was Massey. You see him running around here all the time. And God's glory was revealed through that. And I don't know, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how God redeems that, but he promised us that he would. He promises us that our suffering is going to pay us back in this life. The pain, the resistance, it has a payback. And payback is glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're in the room today. Middle of suffering, experience suffering, pain. Put your, put your focus now, not on the suffering, but on the promise. He's a healer. Yes, but I've lost. I know, but somehow He takes the loss and He pays you back. He's no respecter of person. If He paid me back, He'll pay you back. God says, somehow, some way, I will use. The affliction the discouragement the suffering the pain the loss the unbearable situation i will make that situation lift you and i'll bring my presence to you my presence and it'll transform you it'll change you it won't leave you the same i pray god now move god says move Move in, Jesus. Get moving. Make moves of faith. Let go of those bags. Let go of the sin. Let go of the weight. Broaden your horizon. Set your eyes on the horizon. God's taking you to greater places. In Jesus' name as you stand to your feet with me and we close I want <clears throat> to I'm gonna ask you to receive Jesus today let go of sin just let go of the sin in your life and receive Christ today in this altar call, I, I want to share with you a story of a woman who owned a pet snake. You know these people. Are you one of them? These big snakes? Have you seen these people? These snakes, big as, big as me. She had one of these big snakes. This is a real story. She had one of these big snakes, and the snake quit eating. You heard the story? This is crazy. The snake stopped eating. And it quit eating for days, for, for weeks. The, the snake wouldn't eat. And so she, she nurtured it. She would hold it more. She would try to hand feed it. She said she even put it in the bed with her, which is crazy that you sleep with a snake. She took it to the vet. And the vet said, well, how long it been? She said, man, it's been about three or four weeks. This snake has not eaten at all. And she, he said, well, what have you been doing? she said, well, I've been trying to feed it. I'm holding it. And, and uh, you know, I even let it sleep with me. Let it lay on the couch with me. And, and the vet said, ma'am, the snake's not hungry. The snake is preparing to eat you. Now, I share that with you. That's, that's creepy, right? That's crazy. It, I did the same thing. Oh, I read it. I go, oh, my gosh. But the reality of the story is this, sin is scary. You can't handle it, you can't sleep with it, you can't mess with it, you can't hold it, you can't nurture it, you got got to cut sin off in your life. Because the moment, the moment you start doing that, sin is not looking to be your friend. Sin is looking to destroy you. And if you're here today and you're struggling in a life of sin, I want, to, I want you to know there's only one place to take your life of sin that, that has a remedy for it. And that is at the feet of Jesus. That is to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. He paid the price for your sin. He said, if you'll give me your sin, he said, I'll give you my righteousness. I'll take away the desire of sin. I'll take away the thirst for it and I'll give you my righteousness. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this room. If you're in this room today and you've never surrendered your heart to Christ, I want you to pray this prayer. With me. You're struggling with your sin. It's a natural struggle, but God has given you a solution to it. The name of the person is Jesus. Right now, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me my sin. Come into my heart. Take away the sin. Take away the enticement. Take away the appetite for sin. I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin and I ask you to come into my heart and make me brand new. Take my life now and destroy the works of the devil. I give my life to you and promise I will live for you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Can you put your hands together for Jesus today as we close? Our altar ministers are going to come to the front now. Our pastors and altar ministers are going to come to the front. If you prayed that prayer of faith, if you need prayer today, and say, I'm in a place in my life where I don't feel like I'm lifting, and you need prayer, we want to pray for you. If you're watching online, let us pray for you as well. God bless you. Remember, Christmas Eve service starts at 5 o'clock. We love you. We're praying for you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. We'll see you this Saturday, Christmas Eve. God bless you as you go.